Good morning, church. How you doing today? How are you? Good to see you. Good to see our guests out here. We had a ton of people last week. It's, we just love people coming out. And uh, we're going to have to put out more chairs eventually because then you, know, you don't like to be crowded. Some, some demographics, they like to see one seat in between. You like to see like three seats in between people, right? You don't like going to Boston until it's too crowded. I'm like, I'd like to take you and put you on a subway in New York City at 4 or 5 o'clock and just watch you like pass out. So look, who in here loves Christmas? I mean, yeah, it's got to be a bunch of you, right? I mean, some of you just go nuts at Christmas, you know, with the Christmas trees and the stuff on your roof and, and, and on your lawns and the lights and Santa stuff here and Jesus stuff over here, right? Many of you know my dear wife, Christy, loves Christmas. She just loves this season. And it's, it's kind of like, it's a give and a take, I, I think a tie. They jockey for position like, why she does or what's most important, what she likes most about it. And it's like the birth of Jesus or singing Christmas songs. Jesus' birth, you know, it's like a backer. She just loves to sing Christmas songs. You know, and, and just like Christy and I, we're totally opposite in so many ways. Christy is, she's I, I, literally addicted to Christmas songs. She is. The day after Thanksgiving, it starts, and it just doesn't stop, man, you know? Not only in the house, and I see this every year, but you get in the car, and it's like, it's the 11th commandment, you know? Thou shalt not turn off 106.7. I think that's the song. It, it just, it does. It stays on, and all you hear is the same song. And, and it's like, you know, Saturday morning, she's singing Silent Night, and I'm singing Bohemian Rhapsody, you know? Because I think that's actually a great Christmas song. Is anybody with me on this? So, and, and I'll, I won't sing Christmas songs, I, won't, I don't sing, but I'll sing Queen songs. I'll sing Bohemian Rhapsody, right? But, you know, if I do, if you ever see, if I, I've gotten stuck at times, you know, because of how I live my life and what I do, like at a, maybe at a, a nursing home or particular places where I'm in a group of people that are singing carols, I can lip sync really well. I won't actually sing. I just lip sync. I'm, I'm great at it. I am. I do. If you, ever see, if you ever see me standing there with a group of people singing Christmas carols, nothing's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> All right. So, but for the most part, Christy is not alone in her zeal and enthusiasm for Christmas, you know, and, and Christmas songs. And they come in all different forms. And, and the truth is, some of these Christmas songs contain some really great information and truths about Jesus and, and about why he came into this world. And during this series, Songs of Christmas, which I think is going to be a ton of fun, you know, we'll kick it off today and we'll go right up until our Christmas service Sunday morning, December 23rd, 23rd, there you go, okay. Well, the, you know, in these songs, we're going to dig out, you know, truths that we see in the Bible relating to God and our relationship with him. Today, we're looking at a classic, O come all ye faithful. The song was originally written in Latin, you know, and the original title was Adestes Fidels. And I probably say Latin as good as I sing Christmas songs. So that, there you go. The song was written by an 18th century hymnist named John Francis Wade. It was later translated into English in 1841 by a guy named Frederick Oakley. Now the song says, come. I mean, it's an invitation. It's a call. And who is being invited? The faithful, the joyful, the triumphant. Faithful, joyful, triumphant.
Okay, so some of you, you know, you're really not in that place around Christmas, you know, where you're feeling faithful, joyful, or triumphant, huh? You know, so that first line, the first line of that song, if you're like me and Chevy Chase, or what's his name in Christmas Vacation? Clark, Clarky, right, Clarky. Yeah, okay. You know, many times you feel the opposite of that, huh? You don't feel faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You feel doubtful, depressed, defeated, you know? And you're thinking, you know, maybe there's something within you. You hear the first line of that song, and there's that pause, you know? You might not articulate it, but it's kind of resonating, kicking around in you, like, like, yeah, really, this pertained to me. You hear that? Faithful, I'm faithful. You know, maybe God called you to do something. Put into your heart, into your mind, into your thinking, you know, to perhaps ask someone for forgiveness, to, to do something kind for someone, to, to give generously, to, to serve in a significant way, to come alongside someone. And, then, and, and, and when it happened, it was just so, I mean, it just lit you up like a Christmas tree, right? Like, wow. And then the hours went on and the days went on and yeah, you start pulling back, you know. We see, it, we see this a lot in many areas of people. You start to pull back, you know, and like, well, you know, maybe that was just, you know, me. I kind of was like all emotional or, you know, I, you know, there was a lot going on and maybe that was just like a little bit more me and, or maybe I don't have to do it right now. You know, I'll do a little bit of some of this, but not, not all in, you know, I'll get to it. Or, or, or you know what, maybe that actually wasn't God like calling or commanding me, you know. Maybe it was just like a suggestion, you know. Uh, you know, and, and, and you get going and you pull back and you feel faithless, not faithful, huh? Maybe something is going on right now in your life. A lot of trials happening. One maybe in particular one that seems overwhelming. And, it, and you're like, so really, is this it? Like, is this it? Could, Whoever's praying for me, please stop. You know, like, stop, stop praying for me. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. You, you really you start questioning faith, doubting. You, you're pondering it in a negative way, you know. You certainly don't feel faithful. And so maybe it's that joyful word, though, that, that causes you to pause, you know, that you have a harder time, you know, swallowing I mean, look, it doesn't take much to suck the joy out of life, right? <laughs> and as some of you are thinking, you know, Dave, you're sucking the joy out of this song. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs, and you're killing it, man. You're messing with my favorite Christmas carol, right? So just, you know, you're all over. No wonder why you like singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Look what you do to Christmas songs, for God's sake. Warning, don't mess with Bohemian Rhapsody. It's sacred, okay? Really, but when you hear that invitation to come, or are you joyful? Do you, do you, as you're singing, you think, I, I'm, I'm joyful. That, that's who they're talking about, me. I'm so joyful. I'm a person who's filled with joy more than I'm not. And especially during that Christmas season, day to day, I am filled with joy. But really, maybe more so, you're that one who says this, this season, and we do this each year, and we do it specifically because it's, we see it. We see this stuff unearthed in people with, that maybe you're saying, you know what? It's actually more pain or sorrow. I'm thinking of a person I lost. I'm thinking of a tragedy that happened within me and my family during this season. And it's had such a deep and lasting impression. And that tends to be the case because when things happen around Christmas, 
They seem to be magnified. Or Christmas itself seems to magnify things in that season. Seems to heighten our emotions and, and, for some, and, and somewhat often towards that sorrowful, that loss, that, that, that lacking. And so that word joyful, yeah, yeah, it's not really where I, I'm seeing myself at right now. Maybe it's the word triumphant that throws you off. We don't use that word very often. Maybe it's because it just, you know, triumphant, it's a little too lofty. Or maybe because we just don't feel that way. We, we feel more defeated, more less than more. We feel more lacking than we feel victorious and triumphant. We look at our lives and, you know, we think, you know, I just imagine I'd be at a better place at this time. And whether it's that you're unemployed or struggling to get into a college or... or, or, or or single, or, or that you, you know, you actually, in many people's eyes, you might be doing well, but it's not what you wanted. It was, it's not your estimation. It's not where you thought you would be at this time in your life. Maybe you're in this marriage, you're thinking, man, after all these years, I thought our marriage would be better. I thought we'd be over this. I thought we'd have moved on and progressed by now. How did we get to where we are? How, how come we're stuck here? Family, Christmas, the holidays, it just brings out attention to our loved ones, you know, and, and again, you know, could I have done something different with this child? I, 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 it just, they're not where I hoped they would be, and they're not living out in the way I, I, I wish they could, and is, is that, do I see my mistakes in them, and my lacking, and, and, and all that, and I don't feel like, like the parent of the year, man, I don't think like, I don't feel triumphant, huh? And maybe some of you are different, but maybe some of you are more like me, and you're getting what I'm saying here. You see, the song is calling, it's inviting, O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. The song also calls us to, in the kind of second, I don't know if you want to call it a stanza, I don't know the terminology of songs and music, I don't even sing them, I don't care. <laughs> Chorus or stanza, whatever you call them, I don't know. But anyway... It calls us to adore Jesus in the second part of the song, to adore, to bring adoration to Jesus. So the question is today, who does Jesus, who did Jesus call to come, and who does Jesus call to come, right? Well, you see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me, O ye come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus calls the weary and the burdened, huh? He came for the weary, those who are holding on, hanging in by a thread, trudging through the grind day to day, those who are carrying the burdens of this broken world. Who does Jesus call? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, it says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have come to call. Come to me. I have, I have not come to call. The righteous, but the sinners. Jesus is not calling the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus calls sinners. He's inviting sinners who miss the mark, who fall short of God's holiness and God's glory. That would be me, and I'd think many of you, to come to him. He invites us, but he loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us in that state. Do you hear me? I love my children. I, I treasure them. There are times when they're living out their life in a certain way or they're in a certain place in their life where that's not where I believe they should be. I think there's so much more for them. I love them too much to let them just settle for that. I will move them 
albeit through words or physically, I will move them to the better place. If you love someone, it is simply too hard to stand by. You will do your very best to help them avoid damage or destruction or ruin in their life. Jesus calls us to come the way we are, unfaithful, lacking joy, in a state of defeat, maybe at times self-defeat. He calls us to come to him with all of this. But he will not leave us where we are in the state that we're in. He waits for us to call out to him that we'd realize our need for him, that we can now begin to understand and grasp his love and his grace, that it is his grace where that faithfulness comes and the joy comes and the triumph comes. He gives us that hope that we're looking for. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You see, when you come to Jesus, you're new. You see yourself differently. You see the world differently. And that's a constant process. So who does Jesus call to become new? He calls the weak. He calls the weary. He calls the sinner. He calls those with the burdens. He calls the unfaithful, those lacking joy. He calls you. He calls me. And he's not calling us just to turn over a new leaf. He's calling us to start a new life, completely new. When you come to Jesus, you change from the inside out. So it displaces that which is not of God. It displaces a lot of how you see the world and how you interpret and translate what is faithful, what is joyful, what is triumph. It shows you that you are so much capable of doing so much more. And it literally, it, it just lifts you up. It takes you out of that pit of despair. If we become a new creation and we are new, where does that take us? Where does Jesus take us? What does Jesus, in a sense, do for us in this process? And the first thing we want to realize is Jesus helps us to become more faithful. Jesus helps us to become more faithful. We are becoming more faithful as we become a new creation. When we become a new creation, we begin to increase our being faithful. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So what do we learn? Is that our faith comes from the one who pioneers it, the one who authored it, started it, and that's Jesus. Jesus gives us that faith. He, he does. He awakens us to our need of him. He places a deposit. God, the Holy Spirit, places a deposit on our soul, sets his mark on our soul. And then Jesus continually works and perfects that faith out in us by his grace. How does that happen? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we read this. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. The words of Jesus, I am the word. The words of the scripture, the Bible. Hearing the word of God, singing it, Reading it, thinking of it, it inspires us, it equips us to be faithful to God. You know, often when we hear the Christmas story, you come away and you think this star is what led the Magi to the birth of Jesus, to that, to that stable manger, that 
glorious night. And that's not completely the truth. Now you're thinking, okay, Dave, stop it. Just You mess with the song, now you're messing with the Christmas story, right? I'm, I'm not saying it would be a, you'd be totally off, just a little bit of a, just, just to put this in there. If you read the story, right, what you learn is that the Magi, the star leads the Magi to Jerusalem. And then once they get to Jerusalem, the kind of the star disappears for a bit. And then there in Jerusalem, they meet King Herod, who's the king of the Jews, a brutal guy. And they inquire of him, you know, where is this king to be born? And if you read, I think it's uh, Matthew chapter 2, you'll read this. And I think it's verses 4 through 8. And you'll see now that Herod, upon hearing their inquiry, calls his priests and his teachers top-notch, calls them in and, and asks them the same question, to which they turn to what? They turn to the Old Testament Scriptures. Your Bible, my Bible, the Word of God. And in there, they go to Micah chapter 5. And they tell King Herod, okay, according to the Word of God, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And so the wise men set out now to go to Bethlehem, and, after, and, just, and eventually, sooner than later, the star reappears and guides them to the very place that Jesus will be born. But you see, it was the word of God that pointed them in the right direction to arrive at the right place. Sometimes, man, you know, we, we just, we, we, we push, we try, we hold on, we, we try and keep going, and, and what we're missing is pausing and taking the word of God and applying it to our lives right there to increase our faith, huh? to build up our faith there in that moment. When I was 25 years old, I'm sorry, I was, 20, I was 28 years old, but it was 25 years ago. <laughs> 20, this Christmas, 25 years ago this Christmas, uh, it was my first Christmas living in the faith. Wow, right? And it was my first Christmas with Christy, my then officially my girlfriend by Christmas, and now my dear wife. Now, for Christmas, I got Christy a gold necklace, a very nice gold necklace, and on the necklace was a, uh, a golden dove, a pendant, and being Italian and from New York, I put diamonds in the wings, because we put diamonds in everything, right? Very materialistic, spiritual, but materialistic. I, I also got her a pair of sneakers, a hat, and a, and a cool, I think it was a Mickey Mouse hat, and maybe a Mickey Mouse shirt, too. And, and you know what Christy got me? She got me a Bible. I'm not kidding. She got me a Bible for Christmas, right? And it's like, you know, it, wasn't, it was really kind of uncomfortable, you know, seeing my friends and my family. Hey, so what, what's your girlfriend get you? You're this new girl. What you get you for Christmas? In the Bible. <laughs> I go out your Bible. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. You know, get that nice. Like, what do you do? I'm a minister. Oh, that's nice. Okay, right. So, but you know what? To the, it was, in truth be, it was very personal to me. It, it was. It was very meaningful to me. And, and, and I would... I did it then, like I do now. I just would pull it out. More often than actually now, I have other, have several Bibles, but I pull this one out in deep times, in the most of meaningful times. Really, like, like uh, when I'm struggling with something, I'll, I'll pull that Bible out. You see that Bible? It doesn't have any marks on it, meaning it, 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 there's no writing in it, there's no, nothing highlighted in it that, that I did. I didn't highlight anything in it. There's no writing in it, except one thing. In the entire Bible, there's one mark on the pages, and what it was is prior to Christy giving it to me, she highlighted one verse. 
She highlighted actually a couple of verses. And it was in Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26. It says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom do I have in heaven? Whom do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wow. So where am I at? I might be at where I, I, I'm struggling, you know, with who I am. I'm struggling in that moment. And I feel like I've been trying to push on and get through, but there's not much left of me. That's where I'm at in my thinking, in my rationale, in my being. But then my spirit tells me, hey, Dave, your flesh and your heart may fail, but God is your portion. God is there with you forever. God is what you need today, Dave. In this situation, God is here. He's what you need. Fix your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of your faith. Do you hear me? That's the word of God. So it points me in a better direction, even could tilt me in the better direction, depending on how deep and how much struggling I'm in. But at least it's tilting me. It's helping me to lean towards God and on the spirit that he has breathed in me rather than just me and my circumstances. Jesus is the word of God. When we hear God's word, it builds up our faith. Now, for the record, I just want to let you know this. So that was verse 23. We started reading Psalm 73, verse 23 through 26. Actually, it's a very precious part of Scripture, obviously, to me. And I'm going to tell you, man, in my deepest times, I have that. But you know what? When I first got and I'm reading it, eventually, I'm a little slow. I, start, I, got to very, I read verse 22 right before verse 23. And you know what it reads? It says, I was a senseless and ignorant. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I'm like, whoa, what the heck is this? So she thinks I'm ignorant and senseless and I'm a beast. I, I, listen, I don't know about this beast thing, okay? Maybe the senseless and the ignorant, but I don't really think I'm a beast, right? Well, all said and done, obviously she knew what she was getting into, right? So there you go. Jesus helps us become and truth be it, I really do, by the way, read that. I read from 22 down. Uh, maybe I, I don't have it, but I just toss it out there. I do. When I am in my deepest place, when I've been hurt by someone, offended, um, just done wrong to, when, when I myself am in, 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 in a place of struggling with myself, I start with 22. Like, man, okay, God, help me. I mean, I, I am bitter. I am struggling. And I... Right now, God, I, I get it. You've done so much for me. I mean, look at the life I have. Look at my wife. Look at how people treat me. Look at the way I'm living. I get it. I suck. I suck. I should be more thankful right now. <laughs> I, sh I should be like running around like zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, you know? But I'm not. Please forgive me. I mean, I, I am. I, I am, man. I am just so unthankful. I am just a beast before you, man. And, and just God have mercy. And then I just go from there. But I kick it off with 22 more times than not. I just thought I'd toss that out to you. So Jesus, the word, he helps us to become more faithful. The next thing is Jesus helps us to become more joyful. Now, I want you to understand the difference between, you know, joy and happiness. They're not the same thing. We've mentioned this before. I heard a minister say, in looking into this sermon, happiness depends on happenings, Right? Joy depends on Jesus. 
You see that? Happiness, what's going on in my life? What are the circumstances? What's the temperature out there and in here, huh? But joy comes from Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? That kind of joy that comes from Jesus, it's, it's, it's deep within you. It's, 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 the, it's, it's your soul, it's within you, it resides in your soul. And therefore it's an anchor, it's a foundation. And it's been placed there, not by a, an event or a happening, but by God, meaning whatever that event is, you're equating it from your relationship with God, from your knowledge and your love of Jesus, and that's where the joy comes from when those two meet. What's going on out there with what's happening in here, and often what's going on out there doesn't have to be so wow. Often it's not, and you still have that joy. I, you know, Christy named Joy Joy because she liked the name. I forgot why she named it, but it's Joy. She, she got to pick the girls' names. I picked the boys' name. I had veto rights. She had veto rights. Joy. Okay. But really, as I've told, I won't go into the whole story. When Joy was born, there was something going on that I misread. Who? Surprise, right? And, and, and I was in literally in seconds deep. I mean, the deepest sorrow and grief you literally you, you could have as a human being. It was my deep, it was one of my deepest fears, maybe my worst fear, and it was happening in seconds at a time that I was not emotionally prepared for it. Boom, blindsided. Woo! I just, be, and I caught it. And I says, no, no. And with all I had, I, I turned to God. And I turned to who he was in me, and the belief that he brought her into my life, and I immediately had joy. My joy became so overwhelming, I began to bawl. Tears were pouring down my face. The nurses are looking at me like, what an idiot. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? Like, okay, so he's a little over the top, all right? I mean, I'm sobbing tears, I'm just sobbing tears of joy. Not so much because of what's going on, because of who he is in me and how I'm seeing everything that's going on around in me, even when I'm literally looking inches away from really from what I believe is the worst fear that literally existed in my mind and in my heart. So Jesus will cause great joy in your life. And last but not least, Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. He, Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. When I was running around the lobby uh, earlier this morning, uh, Brittany uh, came in and she had little Leo. So Leo is a couple of years old, give or take. And I, and I looked at him from a distance and I came over and he shot right behind his mother. And, and I tried, he, you know, he tried to go this way, he go that way. I mean, he buried his face. He would not, he was just, he was, wherever I'd go, he was hiding behind her. And I laughed. I said, oh, I'll get you later. So I turned to walk away. I started taking a few steps. And I, look, I hear like these little pattering of steps. I turn around. I look back. And he's kind of like charging at me. And there, right behind him, is his dad. He just come along. And he's like, all right, my dad's here now, buddy. You want to talk to me? Here I am. I'm serious. He's like ready to take me on. And there's his dad walking behind him. All of a sudden, he was powerful. He was somebody. He was ready to go. We need to realize who God is. This God of the world, this Jesus that gave his life for us, and that he is standing beside us. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, we read this prophecy about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. It says, For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. Wow. Come on. Jesus, the baby, our Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who spoke everything into existence. He spoke it and it was. Justin and I went to something at Holy Rosary earlier in the week. Uh, Father Stephen, what a great guy. What a warm guy. What an intelligent guy. Did a fantastic presentation on creation. And, and he talks about how the Big Bang, the more we've learned about the Big Bang now, it actually lines up so much with scripture that God spoke and boom it was Jesus spoke and it was he spoke creation he is our salvation he is the lifter of our head and as the song says he is the king of angels and we come to adore him for he is Jesus Christ our Lord come my prayers for you this morning that you will come and you need to understand who is fighting for you. And in that, you ought to feel triumphant. Why? Not because of who you are or what you're going through, but because of who he is and what he's done for you. So come this morning, church. Come, all ye faithful. Be joyful. Be triumphant. You know, the shepherds that day, uh, that night, that glorious night, the angels came and delivered that incredible proclamation to, to them and when it all was said and done it says that they were clearly you read into it and it, it'd be not a leap to say they were filled with faith and they were filled with joy and they felt triumphant and you know what they were still shepherds <laughs> i mean the lowliest of, really one of the lowliest of all of society that didn't change the romans were still oppressing the jews of which the shepherds were that didn't change. It actually got worse over time. How society saw them, their own people, didn't change. Faith. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. And that's what happened that night with the shepherds. They believed God is who he said he would be and he's doing what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. And when that came to them, it all changed. Nothing changed, but everything changed. And in that truth, they became filled with faith and joyful and triumphant because God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he's going to do. You want to hold on to that. This, in the midst of, and they, so what, what does that equate to? Hope, 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 and hope. No matter what was going on around them. They became filled with this hope, and that's what you want. You want this hope that comes from faith in God. Let me tell you, here this morning, you're thinking, look, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through, and you're tossing out this and that, and you're you know, trying to explain why you're not joyful or why you're not feeling faithful or triumphant. And, and listen, I'm telling you, 
it's probably because you either one don't have a relationship with Jesus and I'm hoping that that's changing by the seconds or that you have a relationship with Jesus somewhat, but you just, you just haven't flipped the switch. You haven't gone all in. You're kind of struggling with that relationship as I have at times. And I do. And I'm sensitive to that struggle. Sometimes, it, usually I'll, I'll notice after several days, maybe a handful of weeks, like, whoa, what's off? And, oh, shoot, that's what it is. My faith is not where it needs to be. This morning I got up at 2.30 in the morning, and, I, and in that kind of a state, I grabbed my iPhone, and I, and I looked up, and I grabbed my, kind of one of my go-to songs. I have my go-to scripture, and I have a go-to song. And one of them is, the, is uh, by Keith Green. It's called The Grace By Which I Stand. And here are some of the lyrics. Lord, I remember that special way I vowed to serve you when, I, when it was all brand new. But like Peter, I can't even watch and pray one hour with you. And I bet I could deny you too. And then the chorus, the chorus is awesome. It says, but nothing less except the grace of God by which I stand in Jesus. I'm sure that my whole life would waste away except for grace by which I am saved. Yeah, so I see I do listen to Christian music besides, I mean, besides Bohemian Rhapsody, I listen to other stuff. Listen, church, by God's grace, <laughs> meaning when you step out, it, it's by God's grace, by his supernatural, amazing grace that Jesus calls us, those that we who are weary and burdened, so when you're struggling, just turn to God, trust in God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and know that it is his grace. Don't look to where you are or what you can do or the unknown and get, be overwhelmed with fear and uncertainty, and don't try and juggle this. This was not meant to be juggled. This is supernatural. Yield to it. Dive into it. Embrace it. Jesus is the answer. God with us. We are imperfect. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because of what Jesus did, coming down to earth, wrapping himself in human flesh, going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we can be right with God. This Christmas season, day in and day out, know I am faithful. I am joyful and I am triumphant because I am right with God because of what Jesus did. Not because of what I feel or think or of my circumstances or what I've done, but because of who he is and what he's done. And that result is me being right with God. And I say yes to Jesus this morning. If that's you, when you came in here today, Christy talked about a card, like a connection card. And on one side of it, it says, my next step. And if, if that's you today, that you know, you, you came in here today and you didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you didn't believe in him. Maybe you thought it's all bunk. Or maybe you're kind of like, you know, yeah, it is a Jesus, but I, I mean, I, I kind of like, you know, he's, he's kind of in a certain segment of my life where I don't really know him, but no, today's different. Today God is calling you to him. He's awakening you to your need of his son, your savior, Jesus Christ. You want to check off that box. There's a box, a line that says, I am starting a new relationship with Jesus. You check that box off. And if you are in here today and you're struggling, man, God, God, God has called you and called you and called you. If you're like me, he pursues you. One of the reasons why I came to faith was I'm like, okay, okay, I, what is this? Why am I thinking about God? Why, I, why, why, is my con why is this stuff jumping up in my conscience? 
Where is this coming from? Why me? And I just, it's God. And God's spoken to you, meaning he's put it in your mind to do this, to do this, not to do that. And you are toying with him, you know? You're juggling this. You're, you're, you're trying to negotiate this. You know what I'm saying? And really, the way you kind of approach God sometimes is, okay, let me, me- let me kind of allocate and measure and what I can give to God and what I'm going to give to myself, you know, versus being incredibly, abundantly, amazingly generous with all you are and all you have to God and then in return getting all of God, right? Come on. But you, you, you're trying to measure it out, but not today. Today you say, no, 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 no. Today I am going to know that I am starting, I am renewing my relationship with God. He has called me to do great things. He's called me to serve in this way. He's called me to give in this way. And in the name of Jesus, I'm doing it. And I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the bank statement. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my resources. God has called me. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And I am that by the grace of God. And I am moving forward to that calling in my life. I am renewing my relationship with God. Do you hear me? And have a great Christmas. To God be the glory.